0: talking god with uncle luke yeah this time it's the end straighten up come on in let's check it out luke chapter 21 verse 25 to 38 all the all bubbles of the, the world. world we got, we got one, one mission, mission in mind, mind. <laughs> welcome to the biblical channel always glad somebody is showing up it's always fun to be here i like talking about the bible hopefully you like talking about the Bible too, and if you don't like talking about the Bible, that's what we're here for, to help you get better at talking about the Bible. We're just here to help you read your Bible, to say your prayers, get together with other people, and talk God. And, uh, you know, we like to say here at the Biblical Channel, we just like to get away from the bullshit of the world into the holy shit of God so that we can start shooting shit with our friends. Anywho, uh, our whole goal and aspiration is uh, just like Mary's, uh, for our soul to magnify the Lord and for our spirit to rejoice in God our Savior. When we start doing that, man, life is better. I just say it. From this uh, Bubba to all the Bubbas of the world, life is better when we start rejoicing in God, our Savior. Just saying, give it a try. Give it a tumble. See how it goes. It's been going well for me for about 28 years, and uh, I'm loving it. And so I'm just a beggar trying to show other beggars where I found bread. Okay, enough of all that. Let's just dive right in. We have um You know our text today, our our story from Uncle Luke that Uncle Luke is presenting to us, which is the story that Jesus presented to them. Um, But anyhow, Uncle Luke is is presenting to us the next chapter, which was just another scene in the temple, and 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 it's still part of this kind of a what we call the apocalyptic. Um, scene that Jesus breaks out into the Olivet Discourse has been, you know, one of the names for this section of the Bible. It's also a very troublesome part of the Bible for a lot of Christians, meaning that a lot of naughty Christians have done exactly what Jesus says not to do. It just perplexes me that uh, Christians, um, you know, get on track with trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, and, and what signs accompany them, this is exactly the question that the disciples had. And it's very clear that Jesus is not going to answer them. And it's also very clear that Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. You're never going to know. It's not for you to know. Only the Father who is in heaven knows. And Jesus says, hey, 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 even I don't know. Not sure if that's true. I, you know, he always tells the truth, so I guess it's true. But I guess he could know. Uh, the point is, is 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 that these passages, you know, uh, you know, have a very fun nature to them. I did a whole series on the Book of Revelation. I think that you'll understand the Book of Revelation if you understand um, that it's 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 meant to be fun and a very fun way of seeing how the end of the world still is shaped around the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. the even in you know so that is always the centerpiece. The, the centerpiece of the Bible is not the future. it's the right here, the right now and that is the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a past event, but it's a present event and it's also the future event that makes sense of everything. I'm not saying anything other than what God's saying. that's the way God, that's the way Jesus lays this whole thing out. So we're going to jump into another uh, passage here that has you know kind of the wizardry of words um going around to maybe call it a word salad it seems but but we're gonna we're gonna cut through the weeds here and, and just really see the simplicity of what Jesus is saying and I think you'll get it you know I'll read it once and then you'll get lost and you'll be like what that's crazy oh boy and you know like we always do like I do even with with the Bible. But as we talk about it, be like, oh yeah, okay. Well that, that's a very sensible thing. It's not as as ridiculous or hard to work out as what we thought. That's always our goal here at the Biblical Channel. Anyhow, I've taken up too much time. Let's just get right into what it says. And Jesus now continues this conversation from the last time. If you didn't catch that, go back there. But anyhow, Jesus says there will be signs in sun, moon, and stars. And on the earth, uh, you know, distress of the nations in perplexity because um, because of the—oh, uh, uh, I, I can't read my blurry. Because of the sea and the waves, people will be fainting with fear and and with foreboding of what is to come on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will uh, see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Uh, and he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree, and all. Uh, the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So, also, when you see the things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation won't pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day, um, some, you know, uh, some upon you suddenly will come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you might have the strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day um, uh, he he, he, taught in the temple, but at night he would withdraw and go to the mount called Olivet. Early in the morning, the people came in the temple to hear him talk. End scene. Okay, once again, I imagine, like me, you got kind of lost in the you know the the this and the thats, and, and it, you know it seems like words that are going nowhere just come maybe circular. and maybe they are. Maybe that's a decent way to see it, you know, But Jesus does have a point in what He is saying. And one of the points that we kind of recognize, if we have our biblical antennae up, you know, meaning that if we're familiar with the Bible, We also should hear what Jesus is saying and the way that Jesus is saying it is very similar to the way the prophets speak. The prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the whole list of of minor prophets as well had this way of speaking that left you wondering, are we talking about stuff that happens now or are we talking about stuff that happened before or are we talking about stuff that happens in the future? And here's the awkward answer. Yes. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. And that is the question that has spurred Jesus on to give, you know, this long-winded, you know, kind of, you know, prophetic kind of answer. He does sound like the prophets of old. And when we read the prophets of old, we're probably equally confused. Is he speaking to the original audience? Yes. Is he speaking about things in the future? Yes. Is he speaking about judgment? Yes. Is he speaking about salvation? Yes. It's all bundled in. And and I think one point needs to, to be made that helps us out. And that is, do remember that time doesn't make sense to God like it makes sense to us. Meaning that we are confined by time and our brains cannot even get out of our brains to think about what, you know, time might not mean if we, you know, listen, we just can't think of of our lives not being constrained by time. It's just a mind blower. It's impossible for us. Oh, I know some smart people say they figured it out, but I, I, you know, you and I both know it's like hit piling your head against the wall. Um, so, so the idea here is, is that God is not confined or, or really bound up by time like we are. And so God kind of fluently speaks of the past, present, and future as, you know, kind of the here and the now, or the later and, and, and then. It, you know, see, God, you know, sees through it all, and, and Jesus is complicating the conversation uh, or the question of, of when and what are the signs by giving this very nondescript kind of answer. But also one of the things that, that we kind of hear you know, in the backdrop of what Jesus is saying, and also we hear in the backdrop of what the prophets, especially prophets like Ezekiel, would, would talk about. And they would talk about how creation you know, is the thing of God, and that uh, creation itself has been uncreated at times and then recreated at times as well. So when, what I mean by that is, is we think about creation, you know, Genesis chapter 1, but we also think about uncreation, the flood and the reversal of creation, um, and then the need to kind of recreate. And, and the prophets take on that kind of, you know, speaking level um, of creation that, that uh, needs to be uncreated and needs to be recreated as well. And no, we're not talking about reincarnation. That's a completely different thing. We're talking about creation. Um, but creation itself goes through this process, biblically speaking, of being uncreated, judgment, and then recreated, salvation. And so that, too, is part of the um, the fabric of, of how Jesus is speaking, this fabric of creation that uh, is kind of uncreated and judged and recreated and saved, um, all part of it. It reminds me though of uh, that, that great little verse in lamentations as, as the people of Israel have been judged uncreated, we might say um, they, they also look forward to God's salvation you know in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 to 23 um, you know where, where the, the, the heart pangs you know the heart pangs of being you know judged are, are, are comforted by the, the idea that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, and his mercies are renewed every day. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just that kind of thing. Go check out Lamentations chapter 3. You know, that's the prophet Jeremiah speaking, um, that, you know, as people are mourning and, and and being judged and kind of leaving the promised land, this kind of, you know, segment of uncreation, they're looking forward to, you know, they're thankful that God has not consumed them. He, he has not done away with them. He has not ended at all. Even though their end is there, yes, their end is not the end. And that, my friends, is the fabric and the the heart and the soul of what Jesus is talking about, that it is the end, but it's not the end. It's just the it's just the end times. (laughs) There we go. We'll talk about that in a a second. Uh, But but anyhow, you know, also this segment is 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 Directly attached to you know, what Jesus has previously said and what Uncle Luke has told us Jesus has previously said is very much connected you know, to the whole you know, repetitive nature of Jesus reminding his disciples and the audience at times, the wider audience of disciples at times, that he is going away. Now, he has said this directly. He, said, he has said that he is going to die. He has also said that he's going to rise again. He has also said that, you know, he is going away through parables. You know, he's given, you know, several parables that, you know, kind of build this picture for the disciples that he is going away, but he is coming back, that uh, all of this is true. Of course, they're not getting it because this is not their expectations, but this is part of how we should understand this section here. It might seem like complicated, circular kinds of words, but it is the answer that Jesus has continued to give about himself, that there is this, you know, this reality that he is going away and he's coming back. We also remember that Jesus, you know, had this monumental, you know, scene that, uh, you know, we call it the Mount of Transfiguration, but it was, it's, it's that scene where, you know, Moses and Elijah show up and Peter, James, and John get to see it. And, 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 and Moses and Elijah defer to the big exodus that Jesus... Is about to consummate or to, to, to begin. So there's an even bigger exodus. So the people of Israel, their minds should be blown because there's a bigger exodus that God is going to do next. And that is also what Jesus has been talking about. There is a bigger exodus. So Israel was rescued from the tyrannical rule of Egypt, but now they are going to be part of a worldwide movement of an exodus and this time it's just not from slavery and bondage in 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 Egypt this time it is the exodus or the deliverance from sin and into forgiveness and so that is also you know the the you know the the motion behind this the the force you know that's coming behind this passage for us to try to straighten out and get it right to not get it wrong and well, we should always be concerned to just get it right man keep it simple Keep it in the conversational context that it actually has been presented to us. And I think we're going to do just fine. So Jesus has also uh, seemingly made it clear that, you know, that he is not creating war. Um, And he's also made it clear that he's not stopping war, that the wars of the nations are going to go on and that he is not here to start a war and his followers are not here to start wars. That is what Jesus has been saying so far, too. So this section, you know, is also built on that, as, you know, kind of filling in that same kind of idea that he's already been talking about. And really, this section, I think, to properly understand it, like all sections of the New Testament, are really centered on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is coming up soon in the Uncle Luke storyline. The death and resurrection of Jesus is just around the corner. And so this is the kind of, you know, stuff that has to start filling our minds as to why Jesus dies and rises again. Again, it's God's story. It's the way he plays it out. You know, it's the way that he tells the story that we need the most. And I think it's a beautiful story. And, I, I you know, I'm just saying what— uh, you know, millions, billions, I don't know, you know, people have said before me, I'm not the one inventing any of this. So anyhow, the reality of what Jesus is saying is built into the parable that he gives, that all of this talk of, of the Son of Man, you know, coming in a cloud and power and great glory, and be ready for the Son of Man to come and to be able to stand before the Son of Man, and that this generation won't pass away until, you know, all has taken place. All of this is really about the new reality that is going to be on the scene. And that is, God has done this big, you know, amazing thing, that is in the backwater of of the Middle East, you know, Jerusalem is not the biggest place in the Middle East, and certainly outside of Jerusalem is not the biggest place in the Middle East, and Jesus is not the biggest character. Very few people even know about Jesus, but God's gregarious, big, hairy, audacious, you know, thing that he is doing is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the, the you know, the parable that Jesus tells is about being ready. It's like a tree that starts budding leaves so that, you know, summer is around the corner when you see, you know, the things that have been taking place. And Jesus is referring to himself. He's, you know, he's basically saying, me being here, me doing the things that I've been doing, saying the things that I have been saying, and what I'm about to do in my death and resurrection is is like seeing the leaves on a tree, and you know that summer is near whenever you see the leaves, leaves starting to bud. Everything that you see Jesus is doing helps you to understand that the kingdom of God is near. You see, Jesus is ultimately bringing this whole conversation into himself. It's all about Jesus, and he has the right to make it all about himself if you understand that Jesus is God. Ultimately, Jesus is preparing them and us to see the world and God for what each one really is and that they are different. Ultimately, Jesus is drawing all of our attention to his presence, to his activity, and to his words so that we would see the cross and see the resurrection and to see his life in our everyday life, that we would live in this expectation, that we would live in this preparedness, that we would live with a new found reality of hope and purpose and direction. Because as Jesus has already said, the thing that will trip you up is the perplexities of the world, the perplexities of the nations, the distresses of the nations, um, and how the 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 nations and the people in those nations are fainting with fear and wondering what is going to come of this world. um you know, they're worried about the sea and the waves and and the rising thereof. They're worried about everything jesus says and and they're and they're also you know following the drunkenness and the dissipations of this world, they're fraught with all kinds of worry. Um, and and they are they're basically asleep at the switch that their their minds are numb and Jesus is saying stay awake wake up straighten up pal come on this is the end, but that is the newfound reality that this is the end doesn't mean that this is the actual one time end it's just the end times. You see, the end times begin at Jesus' death and resurrection. The end begins. And so the end has already come, but the end is also in a not yet status. We hear the Apostle Peter, Uncle Peter, Uncle Peter, when he gives his very first, you know, Bible talk, Jesus preaching moment in Acts chapter two, he sees the new reality that Jesus is talking about right here in our passage and when he speaks to the audience. So catch what he says. Uncle Peter preaching for the very first time after Jesus has been raised and he has ascended into heaven. Peter and the apostles and the disciples, they all go out into the, the, the town of Jerusalem. And here's what Peter says. He says, "'And in the last days it shall be,' declares God, "'that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, "'and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, "'and your young men shall see visions, "'and your old men shall dream dreams, "'and even on my male servants and female servants. "'In those days I will pour out my Spirit, "'and all shall prophesy. "'All will show the wonders above of of the heavens "'and the signs of the earth below.'" Uh, Blood, fire, vapor, smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the blood to moon before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the thing that Peter is talking about there is, is what the prophet Joel. So he's quoting the prophet Joel, also a prophet who, you know, sees the future of the last days. But the last day is not a moment in time. The last days inaugurates a new period of time. The end times, we are living them right now. The last days started 2,000 years ago, and they might go for another 10,000 years. I don't know. You don't know. It might all come to an end tomorrow. It doesn't matter. But hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is near now. It's clear, you know, he is your redeemer. You now know. So straighten up and pay attention. Don't get lost in the doldrums of this world. Know the difference between what God is doing in this world and what Jesus is doing in this world. You know, that is the aim and ambition here. He's like, don't fall asleep, stay awake, you know, and pray all the time for the strength to escape all the things that are going on in this place so that you might stand before the Son of Man. That's how you are to think. Day in and day out that's the that's the goal of the of what Jesus is talking about the new reality that is coming up is the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection, but biblically speaking, you know apostolically prophetically, however you want to shape it up biblically, what that means is that the last days are here, and they will continue on until they don't. But there is both happening. The last days have begun. And at the same time, the last day is still yet in the future. And why is that? Because of God's great love. As Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, because of the Lord's great love, he has not consumed us. In fact, you know, his compassions never fail. You see, it's God's judgment is God's work. But it's actually his strange work that the prophet Isaiah uh, rightfully said. Salvation is the work that God wants to be known by. And so he lets time go by because of his compassion to save and to see people saved. That's the the heavenly reality that's going on. And God's okay with allowing the wars um, and the the fears of this world to keep going on for the sake of of others hearing and, and gleaning the hope that God has given to this whole entire world so that we would see the cross and the resurrection in our everyday lives as, as a new, you know, kind of a new perception, a new reality that, that changes the way we see everything. The redemption of our world is, is what is is in focus now. The coming judgment of the world is in our focus now. Heaven and earth, uh, will indeed pass away, says Jesus, and I'm with him, man, um, but his words will not pass away, so anchor yourself to his words, anchor yourself to his death and his resurrection and his life and what he says and what he does and 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 what God has previously said and done. go to him to make sure that you understand what the old part of the Bible is saying because he's the authority. Whatever you think the Old Testament, you know, is saying, make sure that Jesus agrees with you. Anyhow, it's really not that hard. Jesus is just encouraging us to not be weighed down with the cares of this life, but to be liberated, to be redeemed, to be reconciled to God, and to have that perspective in every day of your life, no matter what is happening uh, because the uh, the torments and the turmoils of this world are going to can continue. Okay, so maybe a momentary pause and a brief commercial break, and just say, "Listen, do I think that the h- end of the earth and the heavens is hard to imagine? Yes, I do. I don't. I can't look out, you know, into the uh, uh, the Great Barrier Islands. I can't look to the mountains of the Sierras or the Rockies." and 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 say that I, oh yeah, I can see how the end of the world you know would happen, no, I can't see it, i don't get it, but they are words that I trust because I do find that you know the idea of God creating the world you know makes good sense. The alternative to me is depressing it's it's depressing to or unimaginable, maybe we'll say, but what is equally unimaginable to me is that you know, nothing created everything around us. It's easier for me to believe that God created everything. And if God created everything, then God can take it all away. And the Bible has been making that point clear that from the moment that God created this world, he's also uncreated this world and he will recreate this world because God is a maker. He's a creator and he's good and he's loving and his compassions never fail. So uh, that that is true. But what Jesus is setting up, all followers, the ones surrounding him at that moment in time, and us today, what he is preparing us for is a new way of seeing life, a life filled with hope and promise um, that is built on the judgment, the eventual judgment of these last days. Um, but these last days might continue for a lot longer. It wouldn't surprise me a bit, because you know it has happened time and time again that the uh, the the church has risen, you know, in its popularity and diminished in its unpopularity. The truth of our time is that you know the church the church might be diminishing. Jesus followers might be diminishing here in the United States, but they're increasing in in uh, the far more populated places of the world, like China, like Africa. Um, there seems to be a lot more Christian growth going on around there. So we need to zoom out to get a big perspective. And that's, that's what the gospel does for us, is it gives us God's perspective, which should be an immense relief. Um, it should be an immense uh, um, change of life it gives us a whole new perspective. It gives us something different to talk about and to see and to share with each other and to rally around um, and to lift our spirits by. So enjoy the times and enjoy the comfort that Jesus Christ gives us that, yes, the end is here, but the end is also not yet. These are the end times. These are the last days. You know, just like the prophet Joel hundreds of years before Peter said, and just like Peter said, and like we should be saying now, these are the last times. Stay awake, you know, straighten up. It's the end, man, you know, kind of like, you know, falling asleep in a movie and somebody shakes you and says, it's the end, straighten up. (laughs) Well, Jesus is saying that too. It is the end. So straighten up, pay attention. Don't be lost uh, as you know, Pink Floyd sing, sings in your, uh, uh, comfortably numb status. Wake up, pay attention, straighten up. My mom said that to me quite a bit. Anyhow, Jesus says that to us too. And I hear him. Hopefully you do too. That's all we got for now. Catch you later.